Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. Be honored today, Lord God, in this holiday that, that we merely created called Father's Day to honor our earthly fathers, Lord God. Let every day be Father's Day as we honor our Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for so much. We thank you for so much taking us from where we were, living in what we deserve. But Lord God, you pull us out of that all because of your love. So Lord God, we thank you for that very love today. Lord God, we come to you sometimes simply ashamed. Lord God, because we've, we've taken a misstep. We've treated you as, as something that's common and not incredible. Lord God, we have taken an apathetic attitude with you, attitude with you. Lord God, we lay it all down today. And Lord, we honor you as our Father, the one who loves us, the one who cherishes us, the one who protects us, the one who will never leave us. Lord, what can we give to you in comparison to what you have given us? So today we offer our hearts. We offer our lives. We offer our tools and our talents to you and you alone. Father, be glorified. You are the first. You are the last. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the author. You are the finisher. But Father, you are our friend. Jesus, you're the Savior. Not just the Savior, but my Savior. You are the Lord, but also my Lord. You are the Redeemer, but also my Redeemer. So, Lord, today as this service progresses, the teaching that you have laid out for us today, Lord God, help us to open our ears and open our minds and receive what you have. Your church honors you. Build your church as you see fit and employ your church as you see fit. We pray this in the mighty name of King Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and everyone shout it out. Amen. 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 You guys can have a seat. Mm. Well, happy Father's Day. When I say happy Mother's Day, it's all like, yes, happy Mother's Day. Happy Father's Day is just kind of like, yeah, it's Father's Day. It's all good. Fathers in here, thank you for being great fathers. Grandfathers, thank you for being great grandfathers. If, if you're a great father... You're probably too modest to raise your hand right now. But if you're a great father, share that wisdom and share that knowledge with, with some of the younger fathers or fathers-to-be that, that are probably in this very sanctuary. They're in your workplace. They're in your neighborhoods. Share that. Encourage fathers. It's not easy to be a father today. 
It's just not easy to be a dad. There's so much coming against the family. And really, the head of the family, biblically speaking, the head of the family is the father, the dad, the man, right? So the target is against him. So let's lift our, our, our fathers up. Let's, let's lift the husbands up. Um, stay the course, man. Stay the course. Ground yourself biblically and focus on God and let it all trickle down from there. Amen? Amen. All right, kids. Miss Amy will take you now, right on. Awesome. I am going to absolutely quickly run through announcements today because I've been waiting 29 parts to get to this last, this last part. So um, quickly, announcements. The food drive, um, we got it going on next Sunday. will be the last Sunday to bring it. Just if you haven't participated yet, grab a list. Bring the food. It will be taken to Salvation Army on Monday, June 27th. All right, the prayer walk this week. The prayer walk will be kind of centered around Central Centennial School. What is it, Central? Central School, it's all C, Central School, the Courthouse, the Chamber of Commerce, and the Cathedral, kind of that area. It'll be on the map out there. Go ahead and go down there and pray. If there's other prayer walks that you want to go on, just there's nothing special about prayer walking. It's special about prayer. Just pray. Find someone to pray, but this is kind of where we're going to have that emphasis. All right, picnic, June 25th. It's a bridge picnic. I mean, you guys love picnics. Yeah, we like picnics. You know why we like picnics? Because we like to eat. So it's at Cave Point on Canyon Ferry. There's a bunch of information about that in your bulletin. And then finally, the app. We're going to continue to push the app here. Um, it's our church app. I actually got a Father's Day um, it, just a Father's Day blessing this morning. When I woke up, it was on my phone from Bridge Assembly. It was awesome. If you haven't um, put the app on your phone yet, if you haven't got plugged in, it just keeps growing. This thing is awesome. There's so much that you can do on that. So do that. If you're kind of confused with that and don't know how to do it, um, John is ready, willing, and able to help you set that up on your phone or your iPad or whatever. And then finally... I just want to give a shout out to everyone who helped in Zoomerang. How many of you guys were volunteers? How many of you guys are still tired? It's like, no, nah, there was no way the kids were only here for three hours. There's no way. It was like, weren't they here for 12? It's just this sensory overload. It was amazing. I think we wound up having 45 kids. And when we went in this, we were like... We thought if we get five, we'll count it as a victory. Well, God said, I'll give you five and 40 more. And the volunteers, I think we must have 20 plus volunteers. It was, it was amazing. Um, but I want to especially thank Bruce and Debbie. This, this was them. Man, they put it together. Um, come on up here. Just a little something, you guys... You organized it, you put your heart into it, you made it amazing, you made a difference. Kids are going to be remembering it. The feedback that we got was like, wow, this is a great VBS. So keep doing what you're doing. Bruce, in his mindset, he's already planning out next summers. And we're just going to work. 
we're going to build off this one and we're going to keep going. I got a quick video that I took of, of just part of the energy. Play, play that. All right, thank you. Oh. And you're welcome, all you volunteers, because now that song is restuck in your head. Man, I caught myself just singing that song like all day. Oh, stop it! Who am I? I'm trying to go to sleep. Who am I? Yeah. Um, four ways to give. We got four ways to give here. You guys know why, why we need to give. You know the biblical foundation to giving. It's in the Bible. God desires it. It's a part of worship. You can give online at bridgehelena.com. You can text to 84321. You just text the amount you want to give, and it shoots you right into that process. There's giving box, two in the back. There's mail. There's a kiosk in the back if you want to give online. Um, there's one set up by the giving box, and of course, you can give through the app. You guys ready? You guys ready on this Father's Day to finally? No, you're not ready? Huh? Oh, I don't know. Charmaine, we've talked about this. You've got to behave in church. I don't know how many times. Me and Charmaine have had great talks already this morning, and they've been good. Um, like I said, we are at the end. Today we come to, to the end, and for me it's bittersweet because I love series. I love digging so deep into this, and, and I love discovering and digging into new verses each week in a series. So, you know, what we did last week, what we do this week, what we do next week, it all flows together. But things have to come to an end. And, uh, you know, this isn't a super long book. Uh, the book of 1 John, it has, it has five chapters but it's worth 29 parts, right? It really is. Um, so let's pray. And I, I, I'm so excited about this message. I, I'm so excited that God has granted me the privilege to, to preach this final message in this series. So let's pray. Father, once again, we honor you on this Father's Day. Lord, again, we are speechless when it comes to to what you have done in our lives. Lord God, thank you so much that though we are speechless, you give us the words to say. You give us our testimony to share. Jesus, man, you're, the, you're number one. You're number one in my book. Jesus, you're my best friend. Lord God, you're my redeemer. You're my savior. And Jesus, you're my Lord. So Lord God, everything that I do up here, may it be honoring to you. Lord God, I don't want to live a life where I dishonor you in any way. Though I do, I repent of that. Help me to be the person, the man that you have designed me to be. And Holy Spirit, Lord, by your power, by your might, by your wisdom, Lord God, you give us the ability to dig into Scripture and to get so much more out of it as you are our teacher, our counselor, our convictor, our comforter. So, Lord God, be all of those things today. Holy Spirit, allow me to say the things that you want me to say and shut my mouth with anything else. And once again, I sincerely pray that nobody leaves this building today the same way that they came in. We pray this in the name of Jesus and everyone shouted out, Amen. Amen. 
So we're at the end of this series called No Middle Ground, and I think still after 29 parts, I think that's the right title for this, No Middle Ground. It's significant. And it is truly an amazing book, and and we spent a lot of time on this, going verse by verse by verse, and that's about what it was, because there's about three verses, maybe four to five verses each, each Sunday. But here's the thing. I hope you collected some greater insight along the way. I hope that we don't leave this series and you're just like, boy, I'm glad we we left that. I wonder where we're going. I want you to, to understand that there was a lot packed into this series. And I pray that we have all been changed in one way or another through this series because because isn't that just it? Isn't that what we're here for? Aren't we here to be changed? We need to be be gaining greater insight into God's Word. Now, I'm going to have a lot of slides today. I got like a bunch of slides, and some of you guys love to take pictures of the slides, and I love that. Take those pictures so you can go back and remember those slides. Heck, post them on Facebook. I love that too. Share what's going on here. See, we need to be gaining that greater insight into God's world. We're in a time and, and in a culture where we've, we've disregarded the Bible. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about so many churches have decided that the, 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 the Bible has too many sticky points. So we kind of maybe we'll leave that a little bit out of our church, but we can't do that. We've got to be digging deeper, gaining more insight into His Word. And we need to be consistently challenged in our faith. I, I mean, after all, flip that slide. Is anybody back there? What a waste of time this series was, as well as any message ever preached in any church, if we are not gaining insight and being challenged. How many of you guys would agree with that? Gosh, if you're not being challenged in here on a Sunday morning, you're wasting your time. You're just coming to church because you think that's what you're supposed to do. But God's saying, no, it's not what you're supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to want to do. Because when you want to do it, you come in with bigger ears, right? Your heart is enlarged. Your brain is engaged. And you leave here challenged in some area of your life. Unless, of course, you are perfect. If you are perfect, disregard all of this. You are good coming in and you're good going out, yet I haven't met that person yet. So as we conclude with these closing verses, I would suggest that you take some time this week and you reread 1 John in its entirety. You kind of pull it all together. I know there's a lot of you in here that have been doing that throughout the series, but as we conclude, go back from the start and read it to the end. I will warn you that today is going to be hard-hitting. I mean, you guys love hard-hitting. It's like sometimes Amy says, Jason, you're getting a little little too much. And I'm like, that ain't me, that ain't you talk to the big guy because... But today's going to be a little hard-hitting, but it's going to be hard-hitting in a wonderful way. It is the perfect conclusion to this letter. Uh, John concludes it in an amazing way, so listen up. As John wraps up this letter, he makes these three 
I would call them realities known that characterizes his position against the false teaching that has come against these churches. Because after all, the whole letter is written in the context of that. Those people that had tried to split these churches, the false teachers, bad theology, they had left. They were still trying to influence these churches. So John has to write this letter to the believers who had stayed. And he wraps it up so perfectly. You know how sometimes if we write a letter or an email or have a conversation, we make our points right at the beginning and then we just kind of fill the end and it just kind of tails out? John didn't do that here. He saved the best for last. For those who this letter was specifically written to, those that had had stayed faithful, in these churches. Um, these, these three realities were, were really to become their guide and to become their standard to which they measured all theology. It was as if John was saying, this has happened once, it can happen again, so, so here's some guidelines. And now that brings us up to living in the year 2022. You guys believe it? 2022. We must now ask ourselves if these same three realities are still relevant in our day and our culture right now. Because it's so easy to say, oh, that was so long ago in the Bible. That was appropriate for them. But we're so much more sophisticated, right? We know better. We're so much more spiritual. We got to come back and say, man, the things that they were dealing with, are those same exact things, the same exact things that we are dealing with today. Now I stress this because there's a lot of teachings out there. There's more teachings out there. I'm talking Christian, Christian teachings, more now than, than in the history of the world. It doesn't, it doesn't take too much to publish a book anymore, right? With all the internet stuff, you can pack, you can publish an ebook for virtually zero money down. You can print small batches. If I want to write a book, I could write a book. I could publish. I could do ten copies. I could do twenty copies. I don't have to run a thousand copies. That makes it very easy for a bunch of different people to be putting books out there about faith and religion. You know, it's even easier. It's even easier to start your own social media page or your own YouTube channel. I mean, we literally have a, a world audience from the comfort of our home. We don't even have to get out of our pajamas. Just put a nice shirt on from the waist up and, and, and you're good to go. And though this grants us this, this really amazing opportunity to participate in the Great Commission, if not 100% biblically based, it also contributes to the mountains of false teachings and, and bad theology that is out there. So let's take a look at these three realities John is ending with, and maybe, just maybe, we will agree that, that they should become our standard as well when it comes to preaching and teaching and books and, and social media. So if you have your Bibles today, turn with me all the way to the end of 1 John chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 18. 1 John 5, 18, this is out of the Amplified once again. 
We know with confidence that anyone born of God does not habitually sin, but he who was born of God carefully keeps and protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. So reality number one becomes this. A born-again believer does not continue in sin. But what about grace? Don't we have a license to sin because of grace? No, we don't. We don't have a desire to sin if we have become born of God. Now, John's wording here is incredibly important because by using the term born of God, John here is, is he discriminates and he differentiates between those who claim Christianity by title or by name or simply by affiliation and those who pursue a true relationship with Christ becoming a born-again believer according to John chapter 3. John 3.3, 3, Jesus answered him, I, I assure you that in most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, amen, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. You've heard me say this over and over in this series and before this series. And I think this point is crucial in our Christian culture today. This is a biblical standard and it's presented by Jesus himself. If anyone, I don't care who it is, I don't care what, how you see them as, a mentor, a friend, a, a parent, a, a, a sibling, if anyone tells you that you do not need to be born again, discount them and the rest of their theology. Those are big words. Really? But... But come on, sometimes we disagree with things like should you do water baptisms inside the church in a heated spot or, or down at Spring Meadow when it's 50 degrees out? You know, we can disagree on those things, right? Those are just different flavors, different tastes. But one thing you cannot disagree on is this born-again mentality. We are to be born-again believers according to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior. If somebody is taking something um, opposed to that theology, discount the rest of their theology. Now John states that when we become a born-again believer, we are to no longer habitually sin. Now habitual sin, as we have talked about in the past, is, is, is the sin... Um, that one purposely pursues, right? I'm a born-again believer. I can screw up. Somebody cut me off. I got mad in traffic, and I said some things I shouldn't. It was in the heat of the moment. It just flew out there. I immediately recognized what I did wrong. I asked for forgiveness. I, I said, Jesus, help me to repent from that, to turn away from that. That's not habitual. See, habitual is, is, is those sins that, that, we, that we think about all the time. Even though we're born, born again, we're, we're thinking about, we're planning them out. We're rearranging our, our vacation and our travel plans so that we can pursue that sin. It's habitual. It's things that you just don't want to give up. You know you ought to give it up, but you just don't want to give it up. 
See, repentance and remorse is replaced with excuses and and secrets and compromise. Listen close. You are in this place. You are in this place where you call yourself a, a Christian, but you love your sin. You're going to seek out false teachers that will justify your sin, your behavior, or your lifestyle. You don't believe me? It's happening all over this country. See, our country and our churches are, are rampantly affected with, with conforming to the modern day culture instead of founding themselves on God's truth. It doesn't mix. There is no middle ground here. You're either 100% with God or you're not. Now we can exist within this culture, right? And we should. We should testify to God's greatness within this culture, but we don't adopt that culture and incorporate it into our church, regardless of what it is. Hmm. We'll tone it down. A sinful life is, is incompatible with the life received by God. Flip that slide. A sinful life is incompatible with the life received by God. Do you guys believe that? It's not like you shouldn't. It's like it's incompatible. See, when we fully devote ourselves to to, to Christ, when we become born again, that sin, that habitual sin, becomes that terrible taste in our mouth. It becomes that infected wound that is upon our body. We don't want it anymore. It's not that we have to, oh, it's so hard not to sin. No, with Jesus comes into our lives, when the Spirit comes into our lives, we don't want to do it. Now, sometimes there's a process and we continually fall, but that's when we continually seek God and more of what he has for each one of us. So again, I'll say a sinful life is incompatible with a, with, with, with a life received by God. That's just not a popular statement right now, is it? I'm sorry, but we don't want to hear it. And this is, this is so weird. I was talking to, to Charmaine about this this morning. There's so much of this that, that, that so many more people need to hear because the fact that you're here on a Sunday morning means you made an effort to get here. And so much of what I'm saying today is, is, is for those who are apathetic and have decided you don't really need to go and worship with one another. You don't really need to be in your word. You don't really need to sit under a pastor's teaching because all of this that I'm saying today can be so unpopular. And now John makes a statement that that we can confidently lay hold of. Let's look at this. He who was born of God carefully keeps and protects him, which is us, and the evil one does not touch him, which is again us. See, he who is born again and is, in, and is in continuous relationship with Christ is kept under the protection of our Lord and Savior. Why do we need to be kept under protection from our Lord and Savior? 
Because the powers and principalities that we're up against, those things that come against us on a daily basis, are much more powerful than us. It's much more powerful than a group of people. You gotta have God. You gotta have Christ. You gotta have the Holy Spirit. When we read this and we understand it, we are reminded of Jesus' words in John 10 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for us. He's concerned with us. He's concerned about our well-being and our health. He protects us from the enemy and he protects us from ourselves. Because sometimes, man, we are our own worst enemy. I see too many people that don't even get to the point to have Satan himself, our enemy, come against them because they do such a great job of coming against themselves. See, it's vital to be born again. And within that relationship, we are to be in community with other born-again believers. So it's so important to be in church. Plugged into church, participating in church, praying with and for one another and having that connection and having that fellowship. You know, Zoomerang, it wasn't easy for the volunteers, but man, just seeing, seeing them walk through the door and ready to volunteer their time, that, that was good to my heart. That brought joy to my heart that these people sacrificed their time to volunteer in order to testify about Jesus to all these little kids. It was, it was amazing. We need to be a part of that. That's part about, that's the church. That's being born-again believers. All of this helps us combat sin within our lives. It's true, right? Sin happens in the dark places with the dark people, Right? They're enticing you. Come on over here. Get away. Get away from your church people. They're goody goodies. Come on over here. We can sin together. Then we then we don't have to like get down on each other or anything. We can just revel in that sin. We can enjoy that sin. Every time we step away from our church family, the target becomes bigger. Seek the protection of the flock and the ultimate protection of the good shepherd. And that brings us nicely to verse 19. We know, once again, for a fact, that we are of God. And the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one, opposing God and his precepts. The reality number two, we know that we are children of God. See, the positive consequence of being born of God is having confidence or knowing that we are his children. How many of you in here positively, absolutely know that you are a child of God? Amen. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have this, oh gosh, I, I hope so. I hope one day I'll make it to heaven. I hope that Jesus is really the Lord of my life. We shouldn't have that question. We should know that we know. It's important to know what we know because bad theology will always come in and make you try to question what you think you know. You can't make me question that because I know what I know. 
See, this is not a boastful claim like those of the false teachers, but rather because our faith, our life in action, and our character testify to the greatness of God. Born-again believers do not have to brag. They do not have to seek a claim because we naturally display the attributes of our Father. For the born-again believer, actions really do speak louder than words. Now, in contrast to those born of God, the rest of the world lies under the control of the enemy. Clearly, there's no middle ground here. You are with God as a born-again believer, or you are not. I say that with sorrow and a heavy heart because... Where does that leave so many denominations who would not consider that denomination as a born-again, believing, biblically-based church? Remember, this letter is not to the world. This letter is to the churches. So there can't be a middle ground here. Yet so many pseudo-Christians are taking this elite position puffed up with spiritual pride. And once again, our heart breaks for those around us, both claiming to be Christians, as well as the world itself, those who have not experienced the wonderful rebirth, only experienced in and through Christ alone. (laughs) Once again, not a popular message these days. I'm just making all sorts of friends this morning, aren't I? It's okay is right. Because I would rather preach the truth than to tickle ears. I would rather stay biblically based than to build my friend base. Speaking the truth in love, which sometimes it doesn't always come across as loving. I want you guys to understand I speak the truth in love. Sometimes it can sound like a lot of truth and a little bit of love. Verse 20. Let's hit verse 20. And we have seen and know by personal experience that the Son of God has actually come to this world and has given us understanding and insight so that we may progressively and personally know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. See, there's a lot There is a lot being affirmed here in this one verse. Reality number three. We know that the Son of God has come and given us specific, definite knowledge about himself. We can now know God, right? We don't know the complexity of God. We don't know everything about God, but we know God Right? We know him as our Father because of the Son who we know as our Savior and our Lord. See, by Christ coming as the incarnate Son of God, mankind has been enabled to know the one true God, creator of all things, and to have an intimate relationship, connection, and fellowship with him. See, the false teachers were teaching that this relationship was apart from the Son. You can have that relationship. It doesn't matter about this person that you guys are calling Jesus. Does that sound familiar at all? 
We are completely submersed in a culture who wants the idea of God but resists the need for a savior. That's where we live today. They want spirituality. Some of them even want religion. They want assurance that, that they're, they're a good person and that they're going to wind up in heaven. But they want all that outside of the true notion that we need a Savior and that Jesus Christ is that only Savior. See, the reality of God can only come through the reality of who the Son is. As unpopular as it may be, the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only way to the Father can never be denied. Nor should we ever try to deny that. And I would go one step further. Nor should we tolerate anybody trying to deny that very truth, that very fact. See, despite what advancements in education or, or what evolution in the culture we may experience, Jesus remains the only way. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the only way to God. And the real truth and the real life, no one comes to the Father but through me. That says it right there. End of story. You can't claim that Jesus was a good moral teacher. He was a horrible moral teacher because if Jesus isn't the Son of God, he was a liar. Who wants to trust a liar? But if there's truth in this statement, if there's truth here, then every, everything changes. Verse 20 becomes incredibly personal to each one of us simply because it becomes our testimony. Verse 20 is our testimony, guys. Let's take another look. Take another look through the eyes of it being our testimony. And we have seen and know by personal experience, amen, that the Son of God has actually come to this world and has given us understanding and insight so that we may progressively and personally know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the tr tr true God and eternal life. How many of you guys can say amen? amen? Amen. That's my testimony. That's the basis. That's the foundation of my testimony. This is what I know. This is what I stake my life on. This is who I am. How wonderful is what we have seen. How wonderful is what we know. How amazing that God has given us the understanding and the insight that leads to progressively and personally knowing Him as our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. We are born into life. Life in the Father and life in the Son. When are we born into that? Right now. Right now we are born into that, into this eternal life with God. It's for now and it's for forever. This has become our testimony. As well, it has become our identity. Or I would say it should. It better. It needs to. No longer do we stand in the darkness of death and the bondage of sin. 
We have been adopted by way of the blood of Christ, reborn into the family of our Father forever and ever. Amen. See this right here. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. It's the apex of the whole book. It's the apex for us as a believer. It comes down to this. John waits till, till, till almost the very end, almost the very end of his letter. And he smacks us right upside the head. He gives us the biggest nugget of the whole book. We have seen and we know. Now listen closely. No one can take that from you. No one can take that from you. Our testimony has been born from the blood and is alive with the Spirit. How many of you guys can testify to that? How many of you guys can get excited about that? You guys, you're hard to read this morning. You're all quiet on me. We should be celebrating. We should read this stuff. We should read verse 20 and say, that's me. That, that wasn't always me. Man, I used to be something completely different, but now that's me. That's me because he loved me so much. And now I know the truth. And how could I not testify to that truth? Because no one, no one, no person, no power, no principality, not even Satan himself can take that from me. That which I have experienced from the Lord on high personally, that's who I am. And I'm going to keep being that as long as I live. John 1.5 The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There's a lot, a whole lot of darkness in this world. There's a whole lot of darkness that wants to try to overcome your testimony. There's a whole lot of darkness that wants to overcome and question you on what you think you know about who this, this Jesus of the Bible is. There's a whole lot of people out there that are writing books that are saying, you know, Jesus isn't necessarily the only way. There's a whole lot of ways to God. All that darkness is trying to come against the church, the believers, you and me as born-again disciples of Christ. But here's what I'm telling you. The book says that the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, will not, and cannot overcome it. So let the light of Christ that is in you shine into this dark world world. Preach the word. Share your testimony. Share your rigid belief that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And that according to John 3, you must be born again. People are longing for the truth. There's way too much deception out there. They're longing for the truth. We need to be bold enough with enough loving, lovingness mixed in that we can speak the truth. Amen? Amen? And now we come to the closing verse. The closing verse of not only chapter 5, but the entire book, as well as our series. And it's an affectionate verse. It's to the point. And it really, John, John leaves here giving one last warning. So many other books, epistles in the Bible, they end with this 
uh, and, and I say to you, be blessed. And, and they close this letter really, really romantically and really well. And then we get John writing First John. And boy, he just slams the door. He just slams the door on this. He never stops giving the reader something to grab hold of. So, so we get to this point and there's one last warning. The, the ESV says it like this. It's great. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I just spent 29 parts, 20, well, it was way more than 29 weeks because we had so many interruptions like Easter and Pentecost, but I, I, I just spent 29 messages and John, you get to the point and I have to end with little children, keep yourself from idols. <laughs> Anticlimactic. Really? You're not going to ease us out at all? It's like you go over to someone's house for dinner. They serve you dinner. And you're sitting here thinking, oh yeah, we'll probably play a game or have a conversation afterward. And they grab the plates and they're like, well, it was a great night. We'll see you later. There's the door. <laughs> Bye. And it's like, oh, I guess no small talk. No small talk there. But if we dig into this, we understand more about John's heart. Man, he was an action guy. He was an action guy. See, the Amplified says it in a way that we can gain better understanding. It says it like this. Little children, believers, dear ones, guard yourselves from idols, false teachings, moral compromises, and anything that, the, that would take God's place in your heart. Oh, wait a second here. That expands it. Makes it a little more deep. See, John starts out, little children. We've seen that throughout this book. Little children. Little children. I, I, I'm looking at you like you're my little children. I want to take care of you. I, I, I love you guys. I have a heart for you guys. I, I don't want to see, see harm come to you. So, so little children, you, you born-again believers, you, you dear ones. John reaffirms this love that he has for, him, for them. It's a genuine love. He's, he's speaking all this truth, but he always brings it back. He's like, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this because I love you and I'm, I'm fearful for you. I'm fearful that they're going to come back in and ravage you. I, I, I got to love you in this way to tell you the truth. And it's because of that very love that he admonishes them by warning them to keep themselves from idols. Whenever I get to this word, this verse, it, it does seem so abrupt. But you know what? It also seems so out of place. You know why it seems so out of place? Because John, John just spent five chapters addressing false idols or false teachings and the importance of grounding oneself in a born-again relationship. He has not mentioned false idols up to this point. That is not in the rest of First John. He hasn't breached that topic, and he saves it for the very last sentence. He brings up idolatry. And I pondered that, right? I thought about that. I prayed about that. It's like, John, this through... God, this, this seems so out of place. Holy Spirit, help me to, to understand why this is coming at the last. And why, why did you use the word idols? Why didn't you just say false teachers? And then I thought, but isn't anything that runs contrary to the word 
And the truth of God isn't anything. Idolatry. It's all idolatry, isn't it? So it's like John saved it up. He's like, man, I know. He probably did that last sentence first, right? This is how I'm in. I know how I'm in in this letter. Keep yourselves from idols. And then he goes back and he, he leads up to this. Hasn't, hadn't the false teachers John has been addressing, hadn't they set themselves as, up as false idols? Oh, I thought they were false teachers. I thought they just wanted to split the church. No, they had set themselves up as idols. This false teaching is ultimately apostasy from the true faith. It is a separation from God by way of alienating oneself from God's word. Idolatry is the middle ground that promotes one's self-interest above God's standard. Boy, that takes a whole lot of, gives us a whole different meaning, doesn't it? Man, no, I, I don't know. I don't totally agree with the Bible. In essence, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up as your own idol. Because you know more than what God knows. There's people doing it all the time. I think we don't have to look far. In this world, this world is made of idols. Fortunately, there's a lot of those idols that are coming in to the church. Keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from false teachers. Keep yourself from bad doctrine. Keep yourself from any or keep yourself to anything that, that contradicts God's word or the teachings or the principles that we find in, in the Bible. Keep yourself away from all of those things. It's not pulp, pop Christianity. It's grounded, rooted, true Christianity. Here's the deal. If the Bible doesn't back it up, then ask yourself, where's it coming from? Yeah. That's right. And I'm telling you that as Christians, Bible-believing, born-again Christians, if, if the Bible doesn't back it up, then where's it coming from? I think John closes like this, this with, a, with, with an abrupt closing as to enforce this idea that, that false teachers, their whole purpose was not to worship the true God made known to us by His Son, Jesus Christ, but rather a, a false God or an idol that they had invented. Once again, it points back to my sin, doesn't it? If, God word, if God's Word contradicts the lifestyle I want to live, then isn't it easier if I just build my own idol to worship that allows those things that I so want to be involved in? I'm sorry, that's, that's where we live today. So there it is. That's it. Worship team, come on up. We have come, some of you are saying, finally. We have finally come to the end of this. Remember how long it took us to get through the Sermon on the Mount? 
Come on, there's just so much written richness here that, that we can't just kind of bump along. We've got to dig into it. But, but we've come a long ways in this. And I hope, I hope you do go back. You re-listen to some of these teachings. You, you uh, reread First John. You, you get sparked. Oh, I remember this. I remember us talking about this. But as of this morning, as of 11.26 a.m. in Helena, Montana, 2020, as we've come to the end of this series, you have to ask yourself, now what? Now what? Now what will you choose to do with these truths and the knowledge you have hopefully gained within this series, within this book? And here's the deal, only you have the ability to determine that. I can't do it for you. Your spouse can't do it for you. Your mom or dad can't do it for you. You have to take these truths. You have to take verse 20 and evaluate that. Is that, is that the testimony of my life? What, what now will I do with those things? Do you have a desire to change within your life? See, the, the stronger the Christian you become, the bigger the desire you have to change, right? To become more like Him. If you're resisting change, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I, I would ask you to evaluate your relationship with Christ. Is He the head? Or have you created an idol that sits parallel or just a little bit above you? What will you do next? Altars are always open. After this song, I'll get up and pray. Make the most of your time. Do you believe it? Shout it out. I'm a child of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm a child of God. I know what I know. It is my testimony. Now as we gather together and we love on one another, as we leave here today, you go up and you hug somebody. You shake their hand. You give them high five. You say, man, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. And take that to the streets. Make verse 20 the testimony of your life. Amen. Father, Lord, empower your church. Empower your church to make a difference in this lost and dying world. Lord God, that is our heart's desire that I may confidently say I am a child of God and the kingdom is big and the sign is always out. The door is always open. There is always vacancy in the kingdom of God. Father, thank you for this series. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice and everything that you have done. Now, Holy Spirit, give us that boldness. Don't let us leave here today the same way that we walked in, but let us get excited, excited about what you're doing in our life. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 
This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.